One of our biggest choices was to make AI a building block initially. And so it can be plugged in lots of different places. There's a writing assistant, but there's also AI you can use in a column. And so you can use it to fill in data, you can use it to write for you, to categorize for you, to summarize for you, and so forth across many different types of content. Having that customizability and flexibility is really important. I'd say the other piece more broadly is there's been a lot of focus across the industry on what, how to make good output from AI models and benchmarks and what good output is and when do AI models hallucinate and lie to you and these types of things. I think there's been considerably less focus on good input. And what I mean by that is like, how do you teach people what to do with this thing? It's incredibly powerful, but also writing natural language is really imprecise and really hard. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. I'm your host, AJ Asper, and in this podcast, I speak to creators, builders, and researchers in artificial intelligence to understand how it's going to change the way we live, work, and play. Now, you might have read in my newsletter that I just started a new AI startup. Since starting this startup a few months ago, a big part of my job has been attracting our first set of customers. I love talking to customers and demoing our product. But when it comes to running a founder-led sales process, prospecting, qualifying leads, and synthesizing all of those notes can be really time-consuming. And that's exactly why I decided it was time to use AI to help me speed up the process and be way more productive with my time. And to do that, I'm gonna use my favorite productivity tool, Coda. Now, if you haven't heard of Coda, it's a collaborative document editing tool that's a mashup of a doc, a wiki, a spreadsheet, and a database. In this week's episode, I'm joined by David Kosnick, who's the product manager that leads Coda's AI efforts. David's going to share the story behind Coda adding AI to their product, show us how their new AI features work, and give me some tips on how I can use AI in Coda. By the way, I've included a template for the AI-powered sales CRM I built in the show notes so you can check it out for yourself. But before I jump into this episode, I wanted to share a quick update on my new startup. At Parcha, we're on a mission to eliminate boring work. Our AI agents make it possible to automate repetitive manual workflows that slow down businesses today. And we're starting with FinTech and compliance and operations. Now, if you're excited by the idea of working on cutting edge autonomous AI and you're a talented applied AI engineer or designer based in the Bay Area, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to founders at parcha.ai if you want to learn more about our company and our team. Now, let's get back to the episode. Join me as I hear the story behind Coda's latest AI features in the Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. Hey, David, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It's going great. Thanks for having me on today. I am so excited to go deeper into Coda's AI features with you. As I was saying at the beginning of this episode, I've been using Coda's AI features for the last month. It's been in kind of a preview and it's been really cool to see what it's capable of. I'm already a massive Coda fan. As you know, I used it previously at Brex. I use it to organize my podcast and my newsletter. And most recently, it's kind of running behind the scenes at our startup as well for all sorts of different use cases. But in this episode, I'd love to jump in and really understand why you guys decided to build this and what really was the story behind Coda's AI tools and how it's going to help everyone be more productive. So how would you describe Coda and what exactly it does? Coda was founded with a thesis that the way people work is overly siloed. So if you think about the most common productivity tools, you have your doc, 
you have your spreadsheet and you have your app. And these things don't really talk to each other. And the reality is often you want a paragraph and then a table and then another paragraph and then a filter view of the table and then some context in an app that relates to that table. And it's just really hard to do that. And so you have people falling back to the familiar doc, but littered with screenshots and half broken embeds. And so Carter said, what if we made something where all these things could fit in one doc and they work together perfectly? And that's what code is. It's a modern document that allows you to have a ton of flexibility and integrate with over 600 different tools uh, for your team. Yeah, I think that idea of code of being able to, one, integrate with different tools, but also be both a doc that can become a table and then have a mashup of all this different type of data is something I've really valued about it. I think especially when I was at Brex and we used to run our team meetings on Coda, it was really great to be able to have like the action items really formatted well in the table, but also have the notes in more free form and then combine that with kind of follow-ups. And we even had this crazy table for my product team where we would post like weekly photos. And that's like really hard to do in an organized way in a doc. And you'd never want to do that in a spreadsheet. So um, I love the fact that Coda enables you to combine all that different type of data together. So Coda has that, and then it also has packs, which you mentioned too, right? And these are these integrations that allow you to like take data from lots of different places and put it all together. And from what I understand, Coda's AI product started as a pack, right? It was like this pack that someone had, Coda had built more as kind of like a hack project to get people to use the open AI capabilities inside Coda. And I'd actually tried this too. And that's kind of how you guys decided to actually build this into a real uh, native integration. Yeah, totally. I'd say, you know, the first bet Coda made was on PAX as a platform. And so maybe about a year ago now, we released an SDK where anyone can build a pack for Coda in their browser in JavaScript and compile it and publish it. And so it can pull data from places, push data to places. And it's really been incredible to see people do this for all sorts of use cases we never even thought of. And it made possible people starting to experiment with AI in a much more effortless manner. And so... Someone did a kind of weekend project and published the first OpenAI pack, and it really took off, starting to see it get used for all sorts of different cases. And it got us inspired for thinking, hey, you know, what if we did something native that you didn't have to think about authenticating to external services? What if it could go much deeper in what context it had about your doc and your workspace in order to help you save time? And one of the things I really loved here is kind of a product management thing is like seeing this nascent behavior, right, happening on the platform and then deciding that it was something worth investing in further. So what point did you guys decide like, oh, this is becoming big enough or popular enough where we should make an investment? In? And how was that decision made? Is that like a decision that like the CEO makes or is it more like kind of bubbled up from the bottom where like there was a team that saw this happening? I was like, hey, we'd like to invest in this further. I'm really curious, like give us a bit of like the inside baseball of how that happened. There were a few moments. Uh, the first moment was kind of the weekend hackathon where a few people, I think it actually started on a Friday afternoon. Some of the DALI API had been released by OpenAI and they really wanted to start generating images in a doc. And so it took like two hours uh, to basically create a new pack from scratch and have it fully workable inside of a doc. And then we had a weekend blitz to basically ship it on Product Hunt. And Reid Hoffman, who's on Coda's board, a big fan of OpenAI, was actually kind enough to hunt it on Product Hunt for us. And we had a bunch of really cool templates people had quickly built for it. And then about a month and a half later, we had a company-wide hackathon. This was, must have been back in December. And there was a ton of enthusiasm on about AI, partially from um, the OpenAI pack. And so we explored like a dozen different ideas. Um, I think we won the People's Choice Award. The company votes on all the different hackathon pitches at the end of it. 
And then uh, at January, we had a board meeting and we showed off some of the thoughts from the hackathon, as well as some of what people had already been doing in the community. And the board was really excited about it. And so we started up a much bigger effort within the company. It's a really cool story to hear that, you know, what started as like a project that became like a hackathon that, that became like a pack that was put together really quickly and just kind of an experiment then became like this big investment for the company. Right. And now when I look at the product, which, you know, you're going to talk a bit more about, I can see how like it's, it could really become like a core kind of primitive of the coder experience, just like a table and a dock and a canvas is as well. So that to me is like really inspiring, especially for other folks that are like working in product that companies that are like code a stage that you can really like come up with these experimental ideas and they can end up becoming real products. And also I think it was really encouraging to see that you guys kind of explored AI and like integrating into the product pretty early, right? Like this was like pre chat GPT hype, like, or just like as chat GPT was becoming popular, but before GPT four came out before Christmas, at least I, I feel like the hype was just starting to simmer them, but not necessarily boil over like it is right now. Talk me through what it was like developing the AI product into what it is today and how you guys kind of built it into the product and, and how it works. I look back in those early days and it's sort of uh, amazing how much chaos there was in the market. <laughs> you know, ChatGPT had just come out and it was incredible and we were dying to get our hands on a chat-based API. But at the time, the only backend available to us was GPT-3. They hadn't released an API for ChatGPT. There was nothing else really at that quality level in the market. And so I remember going and chatting with every major developer, API, AI company, every platform being like, hey, like, what have you got? What can we use? And we had a bunch of different ideas on UX, but we were kind of bottlenecked on what's possible. So we started by building something with GPT-3, actually. And we said, okay, chat's going to come at some point. We don't know if it's a month out or a year out. Uh, we, you know, we got to start moving now. Um, and we did a few experiments on it, some just straight out of the box and some that were very specific. So actually one of my favorite was Coda has a formula language. It's incredibly powerful. People love it. It's also um, a little complicated for people who are starting to learn it. It's a lot like Google Sheets or Excel. And so we said, what if you could have natural language that just turned into a Coda formula? <clears throat> and so we, um, we collected a data set for that. We actually crowdsourced it within the company. We took all of the company's internal staging environment data of Coda formulas, and we had people annotate what the natural language equivalent was. We fine-tuned GPT-3 for it. And we built a little thing that would basically, you know, convert text to formulas. We were like, wow, that's actually pretty good. We realized, you know, some of the hard cases are really hard, but some of the average cases it does quite well on. Um, but it was definitely a mode where, because there was no sort of generic chat backend, we had to think like feature by feature, what would we do for this exact scenario? What are the prompts we would create uh, and so forth? Um, and we got, you know, decently far down that path, uh, at which point, you know, Chad GPT's API, which was called Turbo 3.5, was released and unlocked kind of a whole set of other use cases. I think for people that, you know, may have gone by now because it happened so quickly, right? GPT wasn't available through chat until November. So you basically had to just provide a prompt and it would do a completion, but it wasn't fine-tuned in the same way it was right now. It wasn't... Um, basically wasn't as good at following instructions, right, as it is now. And so you had to do a lot more work to get it working. And then, of course, chat landed. Did it feel like you kind of were given this, like, gift where you'd be like, oh, this is going to make it way easier? And then how did that kind of lead to where the product ended up? It was definitely a gift. We were super excited. It's also, as I'm sure you know, is a very double-sided uh, sword. 
um, you know, prompt engineering is hard, it's brittle, you sort of make a tweak and move sideways and forward and backwards all simultaneously for different set of things. Um, and so it's definitely a new muscle in the team as we moved into sort of turbo and GPT-4. Uh, and how do we really evaluate which things it's doing well on, which it's doing poorly on? How do we make it really good for those use cases, both by setting user expectations and by, by changing the input? When do we actually want GPT-3 with something fine-tuned? <clears throat> and so it sort of opened up a whole can of new worms in the problem space, which was super exciting. And I think one of the things that they got me really revved up about, uh, you know, Coda specifically as a uniquely great surface for AI is there's just so many different ways people use Coda. So many different personas, so many scenarios. It's an incredibly flexible tool. And so having a backend like ChatGPT is really, really useful for a fallback for any sort of long tail and unusual surprising request because it does really well at the random thing. And one thing we've discovered is, you know, for the very narrow set of most common things, it does pretty well too, but not as good as the more specialized thing. So as you were talking about Coda being used for lots of different use cases, I noticed that because there's so many different templates in the gallery and so many different ways Coda has been used, there's like a pretty big community of Codans, right? That are building these different types of Coda docs. How did you think about it when it came to adding AI into Coda to make sure it's versatile enough to be used in many different ways? How much did that impact kind of the end design and the user experience? You know, one of our biggest choices was to make AI a building block initially. And so it can be plugged in lots of different places. So you'll see as we get to a demo a bit later, there's a writing assistant, but there's also AI you can use in a column. And so you can use it to fill in data. You can use it to write for you, to categorize for you, to summarize for you and so forth across many different types of content. Having that customizability and flexibility is really important. I think the other piece more broadly is there's been a lot of focus across the industry on what, how to make good output from AI models and benchmarks and what good output is and when do AI models hallucinate and lie to you and these types of things. I think there's been considerably less focus on good input. And what I mean by that is like, how do you teach people what to do with this thing? It's incredibly powerful. But also writing natural language is really imprecise and really hard. Mm -hmm. We had a user study early on. I remember it was super surprising. Someone asked our AI block how much money was in its bank account, what was in the person's bank account. <laughs> and I was just blown away that they, it felt so knowledgeable and powerful. They assumed it know that even though they never authenticated their bank account, they just right. like forgotten. Right. It just felt like something yeah. they, they, they would expect it to do. Um, and so how do you remind people sort of the universe of what's possible or not, or what it's mm -hmm. good at or not? We have something very simple, you know, a lot like Google and autocomplete as you type, you get suggestions underneath it. But a surprising amount of effort went into that piece in particular. What do we guide people towards? Which specific types of prompts? How do we make the defaults really good? How do we expose the right kinds of levers to show people what's possible and make them think about those? Um, and I think as an industry, we're still pretty early on that for these large language models. Like, I think we're going to see a wave of innovation on how do you teach and inspire people how to interact to, to have good input in order to get the good output. So we've talked a lot about that story behind Coda and AI, and it's really interesting to hear how you guys developed kind of the thesis around it and put it into the product. Um, I think for folks that aren't familiar with Coda, especially, I'd love to just jump in and for you to show us a little bit about how Coda works with AI and, and what it can actually do. 
That sounds great. Yeah, maybe I can walk you through a quick story about a team working together in a team hub with AI. And so this team hub is a place where different functions come together on a project and have shared context. So a super common way people use Coda is collecting feedback. All sorts of feedback, support tickets, customer feedback, sales calls. And so we have lots of integrations that do this. They pull in Zoom transcripts and content looks a lot like this. It's really rich. There's so much context in here, but it's really hard to turn this into something that's valuable for the whole organization. I've spent many hours of my life writing up summaries and tagging things. And so wouldn't it be great if AI could just do this for me? And so here's a quick example. I'm gonna ask AI to summarize this transcript in a sentence, and here we go. That was really cool. And I think what was really magical for me about it is not just that you can summarize, because obviously you can take the transcript, you can put it in GPT-4 and summarize, and there are other tools that do summaries too, but I think what's magical is when you combine that AI in the column, but with the magic of Coda's existing integration. So like you have connected it to, I think it's Zoom, right? There's like a Zoom pack that's already outputting all the transcripts. So you've automated that bit. And then you create this formula that basically runs on that column. And then every time a new transcript comes in, I presume it just automatically summarizes it. So that like piece of like connecting all those dots together, that's why I love Coda. And that's why I think this is a really cool example of where kind of Coda shines. That's exactly right. And one of my favorite pieces here for dealing with large amounts of data is just categorizing things. There's so many times I'm going through a large table of data, picking a category. So wouldn't it be great if based on this transcript, I could just automatically tag what type of feature request it was and boom, there it is. Where is it getting those feature requests from? Like tags, is it like kind of making those or? In this case, I already have a, a schema for what are the types of feature requests that I've seen. And so it's just going ahead and tagging all those things. That That's a really interesting feature too there, by the way, because now what you're doing is you're taking kind of the open-ended feature tagging problem where it really GPT could like generate any feature tag it wants and you're constraining it with this select list. And that's another good example of where like, if you did this in ChatGPT, you may end up with lots of different types of feature tags, but by constraining you now end up with this format where you can now I assume go and like organize these transcripts by feature tag because they're like actual, each of those little data chips, right? And so it's now like segmentable. Yeah, and one of the cool things about it is you'll see this one is blank. That's actually intentional. That means it, it either couldn't find a match or didn't know what a match was. And so there's plenty of cases where there's, you know, there's no real feature request or it doesn't really know what to do with it. And it just won't tag anything either. Very cool, very cool. Okay, what else you got? <laughs> so very common. Maybe the support team does an amazing job summarizing all the tickets, the feedback that's coming in, even tags things for you. And then as a PM, you have to sit and read it all and think about it and say, okay, how should this influence my roadmap? Wouldn't it be nice if you could use AI to get started? And so imagine you say, create a PRD for a new image editor based on the problems in all this user feedback. Here we go. Okay, no need for PMs anymore. Yeah. What are you going to do after, after this goes into production? <laughs> well, of course, it's a first draft. You know, you should always proofread. You should always change it. And so maybe AI can help with that too. Say, make this a little longer and have it help me edit this PRD before I send it off. There we go. One of the things I love about this is for me, often when I was PMing, it's that cold start problem. It's like, 
you're at like Tuesday, you know, you've got your no meeting Wednesday, and you've got to write this PRD in time for like a review deadline on Thursday, because it's going to go in product review on Friday, right? And you've got to start it. And you just keep putting it off because you've got back to back meetings, and then you get to Wednesday, and you're staring at a blank screen. And then you're like, Oh, maybe I need to go check my email, right? I just think like, more than anything else, this will just solve that cold start problem of just getting something down that you can start iterating on. So you can just make progress faster. And now what would have taken you three or four hours to get from like blank screen to PRD first draft is now probably going to be a couple of hours because you've got that first version. You can kind of iterate on it from there. So I think this is going to be a huge help for PMs. And the cool thing about it is you're taking all this structured data, right? From different places and bringing it into one place. And one of the things we often did when we use Coder at Brex is like, we would have, you know, like you had like kind of place that had customer feedback or you'd be aggregating different feature ideas in like a brainstorming section. And then you're kind of bringing them in here and turning them into a PRD. So that's pretty cool. Thanks. So another super common scenario is you have a team meeting. At Coda, we do these inside of a doc with structured data, which I really love. They let people vote on which agenda item to talk about first. And you can even have notes attached to it here about what's happening. But again, what do I do after the meeting? As a PM, I spend a ton of time writing up next steps. But oh, yeah, I can do that for me. That's awesome. One of the other things I do all the time is write up summaries. What if instead I could ask AI to do that too? And then, of course, I can send that out to Slack direct from Coda. So outreach, one that we've already started doing at Coda is personalizing messages to key accounts. And so let's say we have this launch message about this new image editor feature. We want to tailor it based on the title and the company. We can go ahead and get a, an easy first draft to start with here. Boom. Let's say we don't like one of these. I'm just going to refresh this one. We'll get another example. And maybe I want to go in and change this a little bit. Hope your family is doing well. And using our Gmail integration, I'll just go ahead and send that email. And that's actually going to send that email now to the person that you want to do outreach to. And you just basically generated that email based on kind of the context of the person's job, what they do. Totally. And one of the really fun parts of this is it's super flexible. So imagine you had another column that's like family member names or hobby or other things like that, that you're not going to find in your favorite sales tool. AI is really good at incorporating that context. So having all your stuff here in the team hub, being able to pull that context in is really powerful. Does it generate tables too? You know, we showed a simple example here where it generates the table of target audiences, but actually one, maybe I'll just show real quick that I've been doing in my personal life. So very different kind of template is meal planning. So I'm a vegetarian, so meal planning can be sometimes a bit of a pain with two kids, making sure everyone gets exactly what they need. And so I made a quick template. Everyone in my family can go in and add their favorite ingredients and get out both a bunch, a bunch of ideas as well as specific dishes. And so this is an interesting case where it's just a normal table here. And I'll say, AJ, what's your favorite ingredient? Well, you know what? My kids love broccoli. Broccoli. So wow. Nicely done. Cool. And then I'll go ahead and auto update it here. So it has a bunch of different meal ideas and yeah, let's say I'll take spinach and cheese quesadilla. 
and I'll add that one in here. Spinach and cheese. This idea. And AI is going to start generating what ingredients are needed for that, as well as a recipe and about how long it would take. That's a really, really awesome hack. I think I need to start doing that as well to just use it to generate ideas for, for meals as well and meal planning. That's, that's very, very cool. And this is like a good example of also like how it can be helpful in like a personal setting too, right? For sure. I was not going to bring you onto this podcast without you helping me with something. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is because now that we started this startup and we're trying to get everyone to be very excited about our AI agents, I am doing what's called founder-led sales, which is where we kind of work out, okay, who are the companies that we want to target? And then at the very early stages, we're trying to find like five design partners that we can work with. And they're kind of like enterprise fintech companies, similar to like Brex, where I used to work. And my job is to do the sales because there's only two of us right now. And Miguel is busy building the product. And so I got to work out which companies would be a good fit. And then we work out, okay, how do we get an intro to them? Maybe it's through an investor. Maybe it's through a mutual contact. Maybe we outbound to them because, you know, maybe it's a company that we worked at before or something. And so I've been trying to work out how to use Coda to help me do this. And I was wondering if you might be able to help me make my Coda CRM better with AI. Sounds amazing. Let's do it. I'm very excited about this because this is going to save me a lot of time. Over here is my Coda CRM and very high level. I have this list that I've got. I think I got it from Crunchbase with just a bunch of fintech companies and some of them might be a good fit. Some of them might not. Oh, that's definitely not a fintech company. So let's take that one out. And I'm trying to work out kind of one, how big are these fintech companies? Are they the kind of size where they would be an interesting fit for our, for our product? We generally try to focus on kind of growth stage fintech companies. And then two, would they qualify or not based on, do we think they might need the product we're trying to build? And so I was wondering, maybe the first thing is I have this kind of list of the different tiers of customers that I might want or the different types of companies that I might want to organize them into. So for example, there might be growth stage fintech companies, there might be early stage fintech companies. And I wanna work out how I can take these fintech companies that I have in this list and kind of categorize them by that tier. So maybe we could start there. Yeah, sounds great. What kind of categories are you thinking about? I think maybe we can start with kind of early stage fintech, growth stage fintech, and a regular financial institution. And so maybe first I need to add like a column, right? Is that correct? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so let me do that. Add a column after this one. And then do I make this a select list? Is that yeah, the way to do it? Yeah, that's exactly right. So you could add a select list right. as sort of a, a list of types or a list of items. Okay, so then let's, let's pick a few different stages. So it's growth stage, fintech, maybe series C plus, and then maybe early stage FinTech C to series C, and then maybe kind of traditional financial institution. Cause I think there's a few of those in this list. And then I know there's probably some crypto startups in here too. So maybe I'll put like crypto as another one too. Okay. So I've got my select list. What do I need to do next? 
Um, cool. So the uh, actually before you forget, yeah, maybe rename the the column there. So we can call this customer segment. Great. So next, if you just go to right click on that column and do add AI. The question is, what do you think would determine it? Is it you know, one thing we could do is just give it the company name for many that are well known. It might do actually a pretty good job. You could also try giving it the the description as well, and you could say basically, you know, what what category does this belong to? I kind of like the idea of doing it by description. That seems like a good way of doing it. So then, would I just do this like um, pick? Is it like kind of pick the correct customer segment? based on the company description mm -hmm. provided. Yeah, that's perfect. That and then if you do at and then the column name, should pull it in for you. Okay, and then let's see, what's this company? Info. I think it was right. info, yeah. Yeah, great. And then how does it know which one to pick? Oh, it just kind of knows from what's available, right? Is that how it? Yeah, the, the it? AI knows in a select list or lookup, the AI knows to use that set of options. Ah, that's smart. All right. So let's, let's do it. Okay. Wow. And so it's already started, but what happens if we think one of them might be wrong? So for example, a firm, I don't know if maybe it needs a bit more data. So I'm wondering if a good one could be that we look at funding and then last funding round will probably help. And then maybe like employee count. I feel like this should all help work it out. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. So then if we do that, um, then we need to go back to here and go to this segment thing and close this. Okay. And then we go, okay, provide it. And then this is kind of my prompt engineering. Now I usually like to do it like this. So company, maybe we'll do company name because that might be helpful too, right? Might know some of this stuff already. Company description. Info, last funding round, total funding. Okay, and now let's give this another try. Alrighty. Bill. Wow, very different results. Great, that's way better, right? But now it like correctly categorized a firm, which is awesome. And Agora and Airwallocks, Crypto for Anchorage, which is awesome, Apex. This is great. Now I have some qualification. I just ran the qualifier and it's actually started qualifying these leads, which is really cool. And I guess in the case where it doesn't have information, it'll tell me. If the company is a traditional financial institution, it might work that out. So I guess I could go through these and check these all later. But the cool thing is I now have some qualified leads that I can start working out which ones to focus on for my sales. That's awesome. And reach out. Nice. I am really excited to start um, using my new AI powered lead qualifier because I'm a one man sales team and I'm already thinking of other ideas. Like earlier when you showed me generating emails, I think I'm going to start trying that as well, like generating outbound emails or even introduction emails to, to the right customers based on who the right investor connection is. And that stuff always just takes a lot of time. And I'll say like, when I'm in front of a customer and pitching, I'm like the most energized. And I think through the sales process when I'm like in the CRM and trying to write emails and then qualifying leads, I'm like the least energized. So having AI 
helped me there is going to be really great to, to give me a bit of a boost. Um, I'm curious, where do you guys see the long-term kind of impact of AI being for Coda and how you guys think about it for the long-term strategy? And also, when will this be available for other people to try out? We are launching the beta very, very soon. The beta will be very similar, but there'll be a lot more templates and resources um, and we'll be letting in way more folks. And so we'd love feedback. Please try it out. And in terms of where we're going with AI, I'm really excited about it. I mean, as I mentioned at the start, Coda is kind of a uniquely great place for AI because it brings so many different pieces of a team together in one place. And that context is so helpful for AI. And so things that get me really excited is being able to ask your workspace a question about how a project is going and it's able to just answer because it knows all the tools you're connected to, all the notes people are taking about every project. Um, you know, imagine you come back from being off for a week on vacation. You're like, what did I miss? And you get the perfect summary and you can drill into more detail and granularity on anything that you're curious about. Um, you know, imagine it felt more like having a teammate when you used AI who's able to engage on, um, on your projects and give feedback and have details. And obviously it's not exactly a teammate and you're going to have to teach it about each, each case. Um, but I think the, the vision of having less busy work and more impact is really exciting. I, I think that potential of AI encoder that you mentioned beyond just a single doc, but when you're using AI to really run your company is going to be a really, really, really powerful one. Because if you have kind of sold on using AI as your wiki and to run your projects and your docs and your spreadsheets, then you guys basically have all the information, as you mentioned, that's required in kind of an internal knowledge base to answer these complex questions, like what's the status of a project, who is working on what parts of the project. And so personally, that's something I'm very excited for because we use Coda for everything and we're a very small team right now, but I imagine as we get bigger and more people get involved, being able to ask those questions, being able to answer them is really, really cool. And so it's gonna be in beta soon, which is really, really awesome. And how are you as a PM thinking about, you know, launching this beta and what it means to kind of bring this into production. And do you have any tips for other PMs that are working on AI products? Cause you're, you, you've been at this now for six months, right? Um, which puts you, I would say in like the early percentage of PMs that are working with, you know, GPT. Um, curious what your tips are for, for other folks trying to bring a product from that hackathon to a beta and then a GA. You know, I'd say a lot of people start like we did of just sort of, you know, throwing, AI behind a prompt, a prompt box in your product. I think it's a great starting point to learn and see what people are doing. And I think as you develop a sort of deeper sense of what use cases are really valuable, um, you're going to build something much more specific for them. One of the really fun things about working with AI is you don't know exactly how it's going to go. You know, the models are a moving target in terms of what they're really good at, what they're really bad at, what the, what people expect of them as well. And so, uh, you know, a very common process I've seen a lot of teams do, us included, is have some generic prompt box, some entry point into AI in their product and sort of see what people use and gravitate towards in their scenario. I think that's a great starting point to learn. As you have deeper conviction, building purpose-built things for those use cases is really, really valuable because it's just a lot less effort. At the end of the day, writing prompts is really helpful for a really specific thing, but is a lot of work for something you just want done quickly. And so some of the stuff we've been working on at the last month or two is Exacto knives, really specific things to open up exactly what you want in one scenario. Um, and people have been loving them, which is great. I have one feature request, which is please automatically work out what type of column I need based on 
like the description of the column. That seems like an easy one for AI to, to solve. You know, that's an interesting one because we, we actually do do it today, but in a subtle way. Actually, in AI, this is like really in the weeds, but the text column type in Coda is actually an inferred column type. If you put a number in there or any other kind of structured piece of data, it will actually be able to, you know, operate on that data as if it were that type. Well, I am very, very much looking forward to seeing more AI in my Coda docs and also very excited to see where this all goes. I think what you guys are doing with Coda and AI is really, 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 really cool. And also just very helpful. Like it saved me a lot of time. And I think other people too, once it's available in beta, I'm sure there'll be lots of new use cases that we haven't even seen yet. I did have one last question for you as well, which is, uh, you know, since you're working on AI every day on agents in particular, I'm curious how you think about sort of the future of agents in productivity. Like what do you imagine agents are going to do in finance and in every vertical, uh, you know, in collaboration with people? That is something I spend a lot of time thinking about um, in between like building actual agents. And right now I would say that we're vastly underestimating what's possible based on what we've been able to achieve at Parcha with our agents and the fact that they can just follow a set of instructions from a Google doc and carry out, you know, a very complex compliance task. Like Not a Coda doc? AJ. <laughs> That's true. We should be using Coda docs. Yes. A Coda doc. Sorry. Being able to follow the instructions and just carry out a task with the tools given. That's like a very novel and pretty awesome uh, thing to be able to do because now you can automate a lot of repetitive tasks that have to be done very manually today. And so I imagine we're going to see a lot of this idea of intelligent automation, as we've been calling it, where you aren't just doing the kind of robotic process automation or like workflow automation that you did before where you're connecting things together with conditional rules, but you're actually now using essentially prompt engineering to automate a task fully with lots of different steps and lots of different tools being used just by providing the instructions in a way you're, you're used to doing it already if you were solving this manually with a team, which is essentially a user manual set of um, kind of procedures. And so you can think about the many different use cases for that, not just in finance, but in processing forms, in healthcare or insurance or in all kinds of other places where these manual workflows are being done. I think it's going to free up people to have a lot more time to do more interesting, creative, strategic work than doing this more repetitive kind of tedious work that exists today. So we're very excited to see where that goes. And we're at the very early stages of it today, but um, I, I think it's going to move very quickly. Amazing. And David, really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to demo Code AI, for talking to us a little bit about the kind of story behind how this feature came about, and then for also helping me be more productive with my Coda workflows as well. I'm really excited to see the product launch soon in beta. And as a reminder for everyone, where can they find Coda AI if they want to sign up for it? Coda.io slash AI. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, David. And thank you everyone for listening in to this week's episode of the Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. And I will see you on the next one.